0: Welcome everybody to True Exact Show, I'm Eric Bryan, Dan, uh, Mikey's joining this show today, and we have a special guest, we're keeping it in New Jersey, we're coming back to New Jersey after all these guests, which we love doing, we got a musician, uh drummer, you might know him from Gaslight Anthem, Benny Horowitz, how you doing man? What's
1: up man, thanks for having me on this row of dudes. Yes, no, <laughs> I don't want to say, it, but we're a sausage party of a podcast. There it is. <laughs> White Claws. <laughs> Six guys from Jersey. I feel like I'm outside of Bar A in, in the late 90s. <laughs> uh, all the, we're everything
0: bad about New Jersey right <laughs> so. I, always,
1: I always quickly wound up at the sawmill, you know? Right, hey, best deal ever. Date. Best deal ever, right? $250, 2, $2. Two slices and a soda? $250. Yeah, give it to me every time.
0: And a beer, yeah. All right, so, Benny, what we like to do, first of all, I'd like to just say I'm the king of the candy wheel, by the way, the five spaces for a dollar. But let's move on. That's, for, that's for another day. So, <laughs> so, so what we like to do here before we get into some questions is tell us about a background of you getting into music, man. We just love to hear the history of you guys.
1: Like like just music, music. Yes, in you general. in general. You woke yeah. up and
0: you were just into it. Yep.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a family thing. Uh, you know, my parents are both from the city um you know both just into cool shit my father was pretty big motown jazz kind of listener he actually plays jazz flute um just like ron bergen
0: Bergen Uh,
1: (laughs) 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 it's true though it actually happened um yeah i grew up with all that stuff and then my mom happened to be like really really hardcore into rock and roll and By the time I was uh, early teens, you know, 10, 11, she she got super, super into collecting records and uh, particularly classic rock and Queen. And she was uh, a Queenie, which was people who were in the Queen fan club. Um, This is pre internet. So you know, you signed up, you got a monthly newsletter with information. She wound up pen palling with like half a dozen other Queen fans from around the world. Uh, and and I was, you know, spent a lot of time in those days getting carted around to record shows and stuff on the weekends. Um, You know, like, the kind of things they'll set up at like, you know, the Springfield Marriott, I, I remember was a big one that they used to have, she would give me like a couple dollars. I was into like cock rock and stuff then you know, Guns N' Roses and, you know, Skid Row and shit like that early Metallica. So I was buying like, weird picture discs and, and stuff of like Guns N' Roses while I was there. Um, so that kind of started just my love for like, the narrative of like rock and stuff like that. Um, but as far as playing it started earlier than that. Uh, just like anyone there, there were two girls in the elementary school in like fourth grade, who everybody liked, I think about it now these girls had top 10 lists. For the boys in school, it's kind of fucked up, right? Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, do yeah. I was never on them. I, I was, was like, <laughs> low. I was, I don't think I ever- At least you made like the top eight. 10, man. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I barely, I, made made it. It. I, I barely made
2: it. I barely made it by, by I didn't spread. understand, I
0: was good at kickball. Why did you yeah, didn't you- <laughs> no. Steady
2: 10, steady 10, yeah. everywhere. Well,
1: the thing you could face, you could safely um, go on with your evening, knowing that if people were number one or number two on those lists, they're probably statistically not doing well now.
0: Oh, I thought
3: yes, you were going to say
4: dead. Peaked in high school type of yeah, people.
1: They, peaked. they <laughs> peaked a long time ago. They're like, you know, drunk, you know, uh, used car salesmen. It'd, uh, it'd
0: be great <laughs> if Betty was like, they're drunk doing podcasts in their basement
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I almost said something where I was like, I was I almost said drunk insurance salesman. And I'm like, out of this group, there's a chance. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, so that's how I got into drums. Um, These two girls from school joined school band. So everyone joined school band and I just sort of arbitrarily decided to play drums. Um, And then I realized like I took to it quickly, and I was pretty good at it. And um, by maybe, uh, you know, sixth, seventh grade, I had a kit, I learned how to play. And It's a funny story how I learned how to play so so my mom was a a legal secretary, family was split at this time and I was just living with her. And she um, got a a night job as a manicurist to make some (laughs) extra dough. And she had a friend from a colleague that she used to paint nails with. And we went by her house one day on like a Saturday, I think it was in Boundbrook or Somerville. And we walk in and there's just this huge drum set like set up in the house. And up until that point, I had only been playing pad and stuff like that in school. And it turned out her boyfriend was like a local drummer named Tommy O'Donnell, um, who was just like a rock and roll dude, and I kind of became obsessed with it. And we sort of went weekly, uh, where my mom would like drink tea and smoke cigarettes with her friend and I would go into the other room with Tommy and just fuck around on the drums. Um, And he kind of taught, he wasn't a a classically trained player or anything. So he would just play albums, play along to it. And I would watch and then he'd be like, you try, you know, and then I would sit down and try to play it. And it's funny, it's actually still how I practice to this day, like uh, the main way I practice is when I fall in love with like a new album, I learn it. You know, I just put the headphones on and learn that record. Um, so you know, and that led into uh, bugging my mom to get me a kit. Um, and shortly thereafter, I met a couple kids in middle school, who asked me to like try out for their band. I played a Nirvana song. I think maybe I don't know, I forget exactly what we come played. as you uh, are.
4: Get probably, it. probably I, come as No, as it has to be in bloom. In bloom has like that.
1: Do, do, do. It's like the easiest yeah. way to get into a Nirvana song. Do, do. It's just three little hits.
0: It would have been yeah. great if you just broke into Orgy, Blue Monday. Like,
1: yeah, so I, I don't know. So I, I joined this band, uh, Dilemma. That was my first band. Some of the guys were older than me. It was kind of like uh, a hardcore band, uh, like a melodic hardcore band. And, um, that wound up being really like my trajectory into like, the scene in general. Um, And shortly thereafter, uh, I started booking shows for this Mm -hmm. band. And then I just started booking shows. And by the time I was like 1516, I was like, just really, really heavy into promoting. Uh, And I had found an Elks Lodge in Manville, the Manville Elks Lodge, Mm -hmm. um, that luckily for me, I had been going around like Central Jersey, I was living in um, an apartment in Bradley Gardens in Bridgewater with my mom at that point. And I'd been going around central Jersey to like every like VFW, Knights of Columbus, Elks Lodge, like any of those places, getting flatly rejected by all of them when I was telling them what I wanted to do in there. And luckily, I, I, I remembered a show years before being at that Manville Elks Lodge. I think the band Shades Apart was playing there. And, uh, uh, I hit those guys up. And it turned out that the two main Elks who dealt with uh, renting the place out, one of which was my gymnastics instructor when I was a little kid. Uh, there was these brothers, Dan and Kevin Shields. And then on top of that, it turned out these dudes were in like a really awesome punk band in the 80s called detention, who used to play like City Gardens in Trenton, they opened for like the Ramones and suicidal tendencies. So I like just happened, you know, uh, to just stumble upon the one Elks Lodge in New Jersey that had a couple old punk rockers in it. Because usually they're filled with men who are not friendly to, yeah. to like kids like me, you know, um, I actually got I had a really, you know, I was renting uh, Knights of Columbus in Dunellen. I don't know if you guys know. We're right next
4: Middlesex. Oh,
1: you guys are in
5: Middlesex. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, so, yeah, you
1: know every town I'm talking about. Good. Yeah. Come on, Danny. Yeah. We've been emailing for months. I'm the
5: already. Can I ask you something real quick before you go on okay. with your story? Yeah, uh, yeah. When, when you first started playing drums, did you find that you kind of had like a uh, natural ability at it, or was it really hard and you just worked really hard at it because you loved it because i know some people like uh you you speak to some people and they just uh, they're born with this ability to do something that they kind of just pick up real quick and then they perfect it you know because i remember when i was younger like i literally tried to play like five or six different instruments and it was just like i can't do this shit like it's just not clicking like for you was there just something that was there right away
1: There was actually with drums. And I think one of the reasons I found it so relieving was that feeling like I wasn't good at anything yet. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like the first thing, because I I didn't excel at sports, even though I loved them. Uh, My brother was really into sports, my father is into sports. So I grew up playing sports, but I never excelled at any of them. But I think what's interesting about what you're talking about is like, to get good at anything takes a ton of work right yeah. But it's when you find something that doesn't really feel like labor mm. Is kind of when that clicks and I think that's what happened with drums is like I just found something that it came a little easy to me at first you know in like school band and stuff for some reason I just maybe had like a natural timing or something like that that wasn't mm. off I wasn't like Steve Martin and like the jerk, you know, <laughs> you, know, I had, you know, I had like a little bit of a thing there, maybe just from having a lot of music on in the house, but it was that thing where I found myself working really hard at it and it not feeling like work. And mm. I think, I think that was kind of the trick to it. Um,
0: I have to piggyback on what Brian was saying a bit. Um, uh, just to re- retract, you said your mom was in a Mo-ha- Motown, and your uh, sorry, your dad was in a Motown. And your yeah. mom was in a hard rock, which is very like different. Uh, my okay. favorite, one of my favorite bands of all time, is the Four Tops, and I will die on the hill. I will die on the hill. That <laughs> the Four Tops are better than the Temptations. I am standing by that. But anyway, let's move on. I disagree. <laughs> I
1: do disagree. <laughs> That's fine.
0: That's fine. But, but <laughs> it's like,
1: I won't die on the hill I of going against the, the four tops. I you will die I mean? on this hill. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I, I will also say the
0: Supremes are better than both of them. But anyway. All right. <laughs> all, right. all right.
2: That's all right. a long I, conversation I, there. Yeah, yeah. So why time. did you,
0: like Brian said, like you knew drums were your thing and you went to rock. Why, why rock? did you veer towards more than the
1: Motown thing? Mm. Um, It's interesting. I guess it's because it's what presented itself to me, you know, like when that first band asked me to play, that's like what we were playing, you know, Mm -hmm. like what are the chances that a kid who's going to like middle school in Bridgewater, New Jersey, is going to find like right. four people who just right. smoke at Motown. Yeah.
0: Um, You're right. <laughs> like,
3: odds
1: aren't so good there. You know?
4: <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's. Hey,
0: buddy, like, we
1: need a fifth member yeah, for right. the
0: Temptations.
3: We oh, got
1: our tambourines, we got three girls for backup, we got they our dance got moves down, yeah, like, That guy who has a that really good suits deep everything. Voice.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I <mean, laughs> think it's, it's a
1: little easier to try to cover like Pennywise songs. Yeah. yeah.
5: We're getting for bow ties today, guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. We didn't have enough money for suits, bro.
2: You know.
0: I, I have to say too, there's nothing. <laughs> is there a more rock name than Tommy O'Donnell? It, it just is such a rock and roll. <laughs> it's pretty rock and roll. And honestly, like
1: that guy, I, you know, I. It's it's a it's a name that's like so embedded into my narrative, but it literally went out of my life like, like over 25 years ago, which is strange, you know, like, I do really wonder what happened to this dude, like, you know, we, we had these lessons, it kind of got to a point, he even told my mom that like, uh, there's not much more I can show him. Mm. You know, he's like, he's gotten to a point where I guess he thought I could just like, do it by myself. Uh, And then I went to see a uh, a drum clinic at like Sam Ash and Edison when I was like maybe 15, 16, and I randomly ran into him. It was like pretty short interaction. Him and that woman broke up. I heard he drank, like, and, and I really have no clue what, what happened to so him. So what
0: you're saying is he was probably number one or two on those
1: girls' list in fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> he might have peaked early. Might have peaked. But it's, it's those strange things. I mean, people ask sometimes, even like, oh, Drew, did you have a natural thing for drums? And, there's always like a lot of people along the way in a narrative that really that kind of get lost in that. He's one of those people for me, like his role in my life was, was absolutely vital and crucial. Um, and I hope he knows that. <laughs> kind of, right. You know. No,
0: I, that that's really cool. Uh, I want to pass it to um, Dan or Mikey if you have anything.
1: We're still continuing
4: the story. I thought we were still in this spot. Yeah, I'm he, still well, he's, he's, yeah, he yeah we're still in we, we Dunellen. We we yeah, yeah no, he we're still we've made it We're on his roller right now.
0: Benny, go on, man. Dan well, Dan man. Dan well,
1: Dan I was talking about booking those those elk Right, right. I thought you were done. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, no, no. I
0: got more. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're in middle section Dunellen. Yeah, go on. So we're
1: we're in Dunellen. And this was right before, it was actually when I had been doing shows at the Mandel Oaks for a while and something happened there and I had to find an alternate hall for a minute. And I tried the Knights of Columbus and Dunnellan. He booked me the hall over the phone. I booked good bands. And there's even a flyer that I've seen circulating in like old hardcore, like nostalgia websites Mm. for a show that I put together that never happened because of this incident. like, And I booked, I booked uh, Converge from Boston. I booked Damnation. I booked a local band called For the Love Of. Fucking smoked, if you never heard that band. Um, and I walked into this place. And at the time, I'm like 15 or 16. I got floppy skater hair, pretty chubby. What, I got, what, I'm like, sorry, what year is this? This is probably like 96, 96 or 97. OK. And I have like eight earrings in one ear, you know, a couple in the other. God knows what I was wearing, giant skater kid clothes. Janko jeans. Yeah, chain Janko jeans the- came a little later in the late 90s when kids started raving. I, I just, was more buying skate skate. Benny, stuff. I picture you with the earrings like a badass and then checking your Tamagotchi. To oh, make yeah. No, it's definitely not a badass. You gotta feed it. Definitely
2: <laughs> yeah. not a badass.
1: But I, I walked into this place, and a couple of the guys, like, really just started laying into me, uh, kind of talking shit. One of them called me, like, a, you know, the F yeah, word, yeah. the new yeah. F word. Yeah. Um, and... And, and it was like this really strange interaction and they fucking played me out super hard and took the show from me. They're like, yeah, you don't have the date anymore. Wow. And I'm just like, yo, for real? And they're like, yeah, and they were like, and you can get the fuck out of here too. Like, they're really aggressive about it. And I was- young, Jersey. But, um, I know.
3: <laughs> I, know. <laughs> like, I had to make a decision,
1: because guess like who's, who drove, I didn't drive yet. So my mom is sitting outside, double parked in her car and I had to make that split decision because like if I told my mom what happened in there mm. would have been a melee <laughs>
4: like
1: like those dudes would have had had it come in and I don't even know what kind of interaction. So, since I knew that was like an inevitability, I just kept it to myself. What'd you tell her when you came back? What'd you tell her? I didn't her? tell her shit. I was just like, yeah, it's still good. And then she didn't even know. I don't think All I right. even. Yeah, she just wasn't connected enough to what it. What a wild story. Well, hopefully
0: those kids had horrible things happen to them.
1: Oh, they were men. That's the thing that bothers oh, me okay. even more. They're, I mean, they were Nice of Columbus members, you know? So, <laughs> like, they, were probably, they were probably that veterans that- or something <laughs> at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably it was probably like three Vietnam vets who played out some like chubby sixteen year old, pretty fucked up. <laughs>
5: yeah, but you know what? All those places like the Elks, Knights of Columbus, the Eagles, and stuff like that—they're all like little like mafias on right. their own. Oh, yeah. You know, just, like
1: little frats. They're frats yeah. for like That's old drunks exactly. who didn't go to college. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just everyone just needs community, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We oh, just all want to be loved at the
5: end of it. The end. That's it. It is. You just, just you just want to be with a group of guys you could talk shit with. Exactly. <laughs> that's
1: that's, that's why we that's why we invited you on the show.
5: Bad.
1: Bad. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, like so from that point on, I, I was heavy into promoting, and then sometimes towards the end of high school, I kind of tried to be like a high school kid for a while. I partied for a bit, and you know was like oh girls and like things like that like you know and then I started playing more seriously and I I was in a I met a bunch of guys from the Woodbridge area who were in a band called yell boy I joined that band then we formed a band called full circle swing that only put out one seven inch and then that turned into a band called the low end theory and yes we stole it from tribe called quest I know what you're thinking (laughs) um and uh Yeah, and that was like my first like real band that like, you know, put out releases and toured and got signed. And that's the band that definitely really wet the whistle for me that I was like, when I was like, I don't want to promote, I don't want to do that shit. I want to be like in a band. Mm. And somewhere along that time too, I I had kind of, I had attempted to go to college like I did. A year at Raritan Valley. Golden Parking.
0: Lions, baby. Yeah. Golden <laughs> Lions.
1: I did a year at RVCC. Uh, commuted there from Highland Park, actually, which is funny. That's part of the story. I moved out of my mom's place at 17 and moved into my boy's house in Highland Park, which was <laughs> deemed the house of habits by my friends. So you can get an idea of yeah. what hmm. kind of fucked up little Pat it was. But, <laughs> but because I wasn't technically a middle six- County resident. Yeah, I had to commute to RVCC. <laughs> um, you know, so I did some time at those and I realized that wasn't for me too. I come from a very educated family. So there was like a, you know, there was a, an expectation that I was going to go to school. Um, I was definitely smart enough to like based on testing and shit mm-hmm. like that. So it was frustrating for my family for sure. But then I just bailed and, and I kind of made a decision that I was just going to go for it any way I could and work was just going to be a way to make money until I figured something out.
0: When like you ventured into that like how did you how did your parents react when you wanted to do drums as opposed to like not going to school or doing sports?
1: My mom was into it and honestly pushed it you know like like some of my early bands and stuff my mom was like loading drums into her Ford Tempo and taking me to the shows. Um, When I started doing shows, you know, I needed to put like my house number on the flyers to give directions. And the day of the show, my mom would sit by the phone and I'd give her all points directions to the Manville Elks and she would sit on the phone and take calls. So she was like down for it and supportive uh, for sure. Um, Almost probably pushed me into it. My father's whole thing was kind of like, you do what you do, but whatever you're going to do, you go like balls out, you know, and you see things through to the end and you be disciplined. That's kind of his vibe. So I think at first, you know, he was okay to let me explore. I mean, honestly, at the time I was making these decisions, I wasn't listening. My family was split and I wasn't really listening to what pops had to say at that time anyway. Um, But it did get to a point maybe in like my you know 23 24 where I was still kind of at this and nothing was really like clicking yet you know on a on a bigger level mm-hmm. that I think you know he was starting to get like yo like you know maybe time for change you know <laughs> like that kind of thing <laughs> yeah. um yeah so there was definitely a couple there was some hairy years there especially before ghastly I mean I didn't even meet Brian until I was 26. Um, And, you know, and, you know, we quickly, you know, things went quickly, but there was a few years there, like right before Gaslight, where if you asked me, I would have said, this is my last band. Like, this is my last go at it. And like, and if this doesn't work, I'm going to like, I got to try something else. You know what I
0: mean? Like we money was a
1: problem. I didn't come from money. So I, this whole time we're talking about, you know, I'm scratching by like, and and I was getting sick of that. I was getting sick of just like straight up scratching by. Like you know, yeah. I just I, I wanted a little more like steadiness in my life. That but
0: point. but like you embody and I, I mean I mention this a lot on the show, man. Every one of the everyone we talk to, whether it's these battle rappers, these photographers, these uh, artists, the, uh, DJs. You're all you all have like similar stories, and it's like and I know I sound like a broken record, it, it, it is extremely motivating to, like, see how much shit you have to put in. Because, like, there's so many people who, yeah. who we know even, Brian, you know, like, think that the opportunity is going to knock on their fucking door. And mm-hmm. it don't work like that. Yeah. Brian and I put out mixtapes 12 years ago, and, like, there was times we were down in the dumps, like, we're done. And, like, this here, what you're yeah. on is, like, our last hurrah. Right. You know what I mean? And it's... Yeah. It, we're 33, 34, and it just finally we're kicking it up a notch. So, like, it, it, you saying, like, you got to a point, like, I feel you on that. I know Brian feels you on that. So, it's, mm-hmm. like, it, it is extremely relatable. And That's the awesome. fact that you kept going with it, it's extremely uh, – I mean, like, I envy, I envy it, man. I really do.
1: I mean, well, I mean it, there's, like, this weird fine line, right, between uh, what's being driven and what's being obsessive. Mm -hmm. You know, because you you also have to have some sense, you know, there are some people I, so there are some like people I know or bands I know at a certain age who have unrealistic expectations
3: Mm.
1: and that ruins music for them. Mm. You know, like, like after a certain point, like you got to, you got to create art for the sake of creating art. If you actually want to do it well, and you actually want to feel fulfilled, you know, and there are a lot of fucking really talented people who go through their lives creating that, that don't get the thing, you know? So it's such a fine line and it, and it's a strange balance, but some of us just aren't company men, you know? And it's, I was talking with this somebody the other day, it's like, you know, I'm in a strange transition right now I have family. None of the things I'm doing are really fucking moneymakers, you know, like something like that. Um, but I'm talking to someone the other day, and we're like, you know what, we didn't sign up for the gold watch. Mm. You know, like, we're not company men, you know, you needed to give up a part of yourself to get that security, and to get that regularity, you need to give up some of your personal freedom, give up some of your artisticness, and you need to kind of go into the thing and there's nothing wrong with that like people gotta take care of their lives they gotta take mm-hmm. care of their families like no judgment you know but like some people are are gonna die on the cross as you said before about the four tops so <laughs> <laughs> I uh, by that. <laughs> yeah so you know that's the thing if you feel like you got something to say and anybody's listening, fucking keep at it, you know. Yeah, keep at it and just make make money some way. You just have to make money, you know.
5: Yeah, I think I think also the opportunity for anyone that works hard and is persistent at what they're doing. I think the opportunity comes along at the time that you're ready for it. Like, mm. do you think like Let's say, all right um you know you're really good at playing drums at 19 years old and you meet up with this band and you everything works out and you guys get signed to a record deal and this and that do you think at 19 you were ready to handle that responsibility you know because Maybe not, right? yeah see, Maybe i feel not. i mean when when we were you know we started doing rap when we were 15 years old and you know obviously we were garbage like we were garbage. terrible sure. but i mean we started progressing because we kept at it and we kept writing and we kept doing it places. And at like 18, 19 years old, you know, we're recording songs and we're like, wow, you know, we're really good and this and that. But at the same time, I felt like at 19, 20 years old, I wouldn't have been able to handle that. If somebody, if a a label came along, it was like, here, we want to sign you to a record deal. I, I really, I think the inexperience and the, the lack of maturity at that time would have caused me to take that opportunity and kind of just be like well i lost it
1: right sure you know it's definitely i mean i couldn't say for myself um because i I was like a pretty responsible person early on Mm -hmm. that i I maybe i could have handled something like that i have no clue the thing i know for sure is that gaslight definitely benefited in the long run from having so many years of experience and like so many years of not getting it. Because mm-hmm. by the time people showed a certain type of interest in Gaslight, we knew like how special that was. And we knew that the window was open and you got to fucking fly through that window. Like, like mm-hmm. we knew that and we knew that from experience, you know. Right, yeah. What
0: was, like, was that like breaking point for you guys like when were like when did you see like the tide turn
1: you know for me it happened really early because of how many years i struggled in music like i basically had played enough music for enough people that i could literally gauge if you were bullshitting me or if you actually liked it mm-hmm. you know um yeah and, and <laughs> early on early on for, i'm sure you guys know that making tapes for yeah. forever like like you can start to see, like, if people are like,
0: oh, yeah, that's really good.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: or they're <laughs> like, oh,
0: They're talking over your song as you're yeah, trying to make it. You, know, them- <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and then some people are like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. that's good. You know, and you can see, and kind of early on with Gaslight, I feel like people I'd been playing music for for ages. we're we're listening to it even early on and being like, oh, oh, that's like a thing. This is like a real thing, you know? And it was probably, Brian was like, you know, the first traditional songwriter songwriter I'd ever been in a band with, you know? Um, So for me, I think because of how like small my world was, it didn't take much for Gaslight uh, for me to be like, yo, I wanna take this like seriously. and I actually turned down my dream job early on. So, so I'm not only like a huge NBA fan, I'm like a fucking stat nerd, like, and I'm obsessed with stats. Like I've always been obsessed with cards, then newspapers, then fantasy, like, like, it's just a, something I love and makes me feel good. And a friend of mine, this guy, Luke Bodenstein, who also plays drums, he was in a band called X number five, uh, was working for the NBA and literally offered me a job logging stats. Like, wow. yeah, which is like, you know, drums, logging stats for the NBA. Like, like it's a yeah. job <laughs> for me. And I even remember telling him, I'm like, you know what? Like, I want to see this thing through. I want to see where it goes. And this was really early with Gaslight. And he's even like, I think it's a mistake, bro. Um, I talked <laughs> with him about that. Is that how he, is like, that
0: how he talks?
1: <laughs> yeah, good call, dude. He's got a very deep voice, actually. So he probably went like, Benny, I think that's a mistake. Um, Yeah, something like that. Very serious. Um, So I I think I knew it was, like, pretty special early on. And even Brian and I had a sort of a crazy, unrealistic expectation of what success was. Because, you know, we're releasing the demos and the first things, and we're getting some good feedback. And we literally made a pact that if we sold 10,000 records at any point, we were both going to get throat tattoos. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, in our head, if, out. if in our head at that time, if you sold 10,000 records, you were good. Like forever. Right. Okay. You know, like, like you were, you made it to a point that you could always write music and always tour and always do that. And right. then we quickly got to a point where right. we're like, Probably close to that, and being like, "Oh, I'm still homeless."
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah you, I better
2: <laughs> keep that neck open, you know. Were you, were you with
0: a record company at that point or independent? Because you might have. Uh,
2: you only I, get I th- like what,
0: what ten percent of the sales and stuff? I, uh, I
1: mean, well, until you pay it back, you get zero percent. Right, right. Um, so hmm. yeah, um but you know, we we self released the first demo, and then. this is where Gaslight almost wasn't even a band. So initially, it was that project, This Charming Man, uh, which was a project Brian had, he took it on tour. It didn't go well. And he basically like let the whole band go and was like trying again. He had Alex Levine was his brother in law, was like 17 just getting out of high school. He's like, you're my bass player. Um, (laughs) And he basically learned to play bass for Gaslight, you know, and then, you know, and then Brian was like looking around and he had um, a relationship at the time with Eyeball Records and then this subsidiary called XOXO. It turned out XOXO was run by a guy named Jay Smalls and his wife who I knew from back in the day in the hardcore scene. He was like an old New Brunswick, like, um, hardcore kid that I knew forever. And Uh, he's the one who connected Brian and I to be like, Brian, you're looking for a drummer. I know this guy, he's looking to, you know, do music full time and be serious about it. Um, So that's even how we met. But when we first got together, it was under the expectation to do a record for Eyeball Records um, as this charming man. And uh, really quickly, we got, like, put in a really nice studio in upstate New York. Um, One of those like retreat kind of studios. It looks like a ski lodge like in the middle of nowhere kind of, you know, money place like someone was spending money on this shit. Um, With like, at the time what eyeballs version of like a big time producer was and stuff. Uh, And it just didn't go well. Like, um, there was automatic, like, tension between the producer and me and the producer and Brian and the producer There was, uh, we weren't ready, like the songs weren't quite ready. We weren't quite ready. It was a little rushed. And uh, eyeball basically was like, Yeah, I'm, I'm out. And he was like, kind of told Brian, he's like, if you want to like fire these guys and try like, by yourself, you can do it. Or like, I'm just gonna like not have this deal for you anymore. And, you know, to Brian's credit, he had a feeling about what was ever happening already. And he was like, nah, I'm going to like stick with this. And, wow. you know, um, and quickly after Eyeball pulled out, Jay from XOXO was like, yo, I don't care. I'll still do your record. So that's how like that band almost like if he never said that, I don't know what happens, you know. Um, so we continue to work on the record and uh We did do a small tour where it didn't work out with the guitar player and that's when I brought in Alex Rosamelia because we were in a band together prior called The Killing Gift. Um, And we were still in a stoner metal band called Spiro Agnew at the time, which is still kind of a band actually. Um, (laughs) And you know, I I had quickly known I would been doing a lot of touring at the time, um, not with my own bands, but like roadieing and stuff. uh, I was roadieing for a band called Nora from New Jersey. I don't know if you guys remember that, an old hardcore band, some other bands. And I was on tour with this old guitar player for a couple of days. And I was like, I don't think this kid's going to make it. You know, he he was a really sweet guy and a pretty good guitar player. But he just he didn't have that road dog thing, you know, like he he wasn't up for the he wasn't up for for road dogging, you know, and not he's everyone never, is
0: He's never crazy. walked into an Elks club and had a show strip <laughs> from it. <him.
1: laughs> Probably not. Probably not. It's true. Maybe that set me up for like going to like parties yeah. in Georgia the first time. Yeah, <laughs> it is scary. Yeah, it's true. Um, and you know, during that tour, I was kind of like pressing the kid. I'm like, "Do you really want to do this? Like, don't you really want to go back to school?" Kind of being manipulative, honestly, and. At the same time, I was kind of telling Brian, like, yo, I know this guy. Um, Because I I thought Alex Rosemilla was just great, you know, like, and I wanted to keep playing music with him. So I thought it would be a perfect fit in this thing. And then eventually that happened. And once he came in and we started writing, that's when it was just like, all right, like, like, this isn't anything. This isn't this charming anymore. This is this band. That's when we officially like really changed the name. Put out the first demo the three songs um and and then just started rolling from there you know and sh- i mean shortly after that it was like something that you know brian and i in our own discussions were like yeah yo like we're gonna do this you know like let's go for it
4: so with that writing process of stuff is it usually like brian writes a song and you guys do that or is it like you guys will come up with like a riff and then he'll write the song on top of it like how like what's the, your guys process for that
1: I mean, it, it changed considerably through the years. In those days, a lot of it was just getting in a room. Here's a beat. Here's a riff. Here's a line. Here's a chorus. Here's something, and then we would just all piece it together, um, you know. And then a lot of times back in those days, Brian would just do like an acoustic demo of a couple parts, you know, and sometimes a completed, you know, idea. Um, and then just give it to us to write our own parts. Um, And that's how it kind of went for years actually. Like it was sort of like, nobody's ever touched Brian's lyrics or melodies. Like that's always been like Brian's department. You know what I mean? I don't want anything to do with that.
0: He's the the Paul McCartney of the group.
3: Yeah, well,
1: you know, I tried writing lyrics when I was like 17. Every time I do it, they sound like Rage Against the Machine. I can't, <laughs> I can't I, make I,
0: him lights out Gorilla Radio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
4: But that's the thing with like Rage Against the Machine though, like they do it theirs with their bassist and drummer, they come up with the riffs and then on top of right. that, they build off of that. So I know like each band has their own type of like way that they right. like, write that.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. And it was the first time though, I mean, you know, when I met Brian and started playing with him, you know one of the reasons I started playing with him was because he was a songwriter. You know, there was no like, jealousy or something like that. I wanted Brian to be like the dopest songwriter there is. Because I know he's writing songs for my band. And if there's anything I'm good at, it's like it's arrangement, you know, Um, I mean, I think early on, I probably cut the third or fourth chorus off one of Brian's songs like 25 times. I was always like the, don't bore us, get to the chorus, trim the fat. And I think that's one of the cool things at the beginning of Gaslight was where sort of Brian's real traditionally good singer-songwriter profile kind of met like, Excitable punk hardcore kids.
0: I'd hate to relate you to a, a, a guitarist and a drummer, but it sounds like you and him had a Glenn Fry and Don Henley relationship.
1: Honestly, it, I mean, if hurts. you watch the documentary it, at the beginning, it was a little more like Stan and Tom, probably. Okay, all right, a little <laughs> bit. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's been a it's been an awesome and interesting funky ride with me and Brian. That's a fact. Now we're as close as we've ever been, you know. That's awesome, awesome. Uh, Eric. Yeah, hey, ben, I jump in real quick. Yeah, hey Ben, I uh, you
0: you directed handwritten the video. Yeah, had what was that like? Was was that like really stepping out of your comfort zone, or had you, have you ever done anything like that before?
1: No, I never done anything like that before. Um, I'd done some writing. You know, I like to write. Uh, and came up with a lot of concepts for art and videos and stuff for bands previously, but um, no, that kind of came from like you know after I realized what a video treatment was when you know so like when you know you sign to like bigger labels and you don't have someone in mind for a video, they'll have people submit these like video treatments. Which is basically, and I I don't know why they call it that. It's just a fucking idea, um, and then, you know, and they'll write their idea out, and you know, after a while, I'm like reading these things and stuff, and I'm like, eh. you know, and uh, I happened to be at a very like sober period of my life, which always makes me super productive, um, and and I kind of just like went for it. I had I had this idea about following the life of a record, um, you know, that that was like where the whole concept of it came was like, kind of because of what I spoke to you guys earlier about. I mean, I really grew up uh, thinking records are super special. Um, And always wondering in a way like that sort of romantic quality of when I'm at these record shows, looking through a used bin. I'm like, where's this fucking thing been? You know, like whose house like who bought it first? Like someone in 1958 bought that who you know, like, what did they look like, like this random inscription on the inside of my record, like, you know, I even have a friend who does an Instagram called things I found in records. And, you know, these guys run a record store and they find the craziest shit letters and notes and leases and like people's like personal history inside it, of these albums. It can
0: also go bad, though, you
1: find like one that says belong to John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, I know. I actually, sure. part of my record collection that I still currently have is an ex-girlfriend gave me a collection of a dude she knew who went to jail. There you go. So it's I got like a 100, 100 album. albums in my collection that are like someone's jail records. I, so. I think
0: I got you beat. I did a song 10 years ago with someone who's in jail for murder. Oh, okay. I so, knew uh, <laughs> anyway we'll, that is.
1: Yeah, we won't yeah. talk <laughs> about that, but... So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't want to know that. <laughs> so leave me out of this. It's your, it's your now. There it yeah, so, so that's
1: how the handwritten thing started. And then and then I just got ambitious with the film. You know, I was like I was like, we you know, I knew the budget we had. You know, my band was cool enough to basically be like, All right, it's yours. Like we'll trust you with this. Like here's the budget, you know? Um and I and I wanted I was really feeling that like the story was longer than three and a half minutes. I was having a hard time conceptualizing, like telling that whole story while peppering in like band live shots. And if you tell a label at the size we were at that time, that you're not going to put the band in a video, you're not going to get the budget. Like that's like (laughs) a thing. Like they, you know, videos are more successful when the band is in it. And you got to be like right. very arty or like a bigger band to get away with that shit. Well, so I knew like, like we had to put live cuts of us playing in the video and I couldn't see how I could tell the whole story in that time. So that's when we went ahead, me and Kevin Slack and like tried to put the whole film together. The, crea- the creativity thing's
0: interesting. Cause one of my favorite band, one of my favorite videos of all time is um, uh, freak on a leash by Korn. Oh, the, sure. the bullet. Going cool
2: fuck,
0: yeah, cool. It, it's the coolest video of all time. Sorry, but Eric, I, I know you wanted to get in here,
2: so. Well, I'm gonna say um you mentioned how you you like to write songs and whatnot. We've had a lot of rappers on here. I'm not familiar with the creation of music at all, but we've had rappers where either they have an idea of a song and they find a beat that fits, or they hear a beat and they write to it. How difficult is it writing lyrics when you're not when not only you don't have the beat, but you're a part of the group that makes a beat? And if you do have lyrics, how do you bring that to the group and say, like, like, just explain. Yeah, rock songs are so much more complex, I feel. Yeah. If I'm I'm a drummer, I'm like, I have a great idea for a song, but it's like you want to hear the guitar, the bass, Sure.
1: Well, to me, to me in rock and roll, like, unless you're one of these really crazy progressive players who's making music that's like, oh, we play everything in like 11, 16 and like you know really mathy kind of shit Mm -hmm. like in in a rock and roll context when you're playing with a songwriter to me a drummer should be complimenting not not owning you know there is a big difference i think in hip-hop and rock where like the beat is the fucking centerpiece it gets everything going and then it dictates the lyrics Mm -hmm. you know you need to frame your cadence and all that around the beat itself. Hmm. And I think it works in reverse in rock and roll, right? Like, you know, someone like Bob Dylan, for instance, doesn't even consider himself a singer. He thinks he's a poet. He's like, mm. I'm a poet. And everything in the song doesn't matter unless the lyrics and the message and how he wants to get it across is gotten across. Um, so So I actually think a lot about that when I write songs and I write a lot of drum parts to match Brian's vocals or anyone I'm playing with vocals because like, so we could write a whole song, but I am not finishing drum parts until I know the melody. And it's Mm -hmm. because I want my kick patterns. I want my fills. I want my accents to either complement a part or not take away from it. You know, if there's like a really strong part for a guitar or a really strong part for a vocal, stay the fuck out of it. It -hmm. needs space. People need to hear it, you know, and then maybe another part of the song has space. And that's your time to fill it in. Mm -hmm. Um, So so that's that's the way I approach it. I think how the difference would be as
0: a drummer with a that's that's like I always wonder that too, Eric. I'm glad you asked that because I I always said like rock songs. I never understood it because like like you said, we have a producer who makes beats and will label the beats a name. And a lot of times, I'll write the song and make the song title the name of the beat, almost right. like the The rhythm's already there. Like he he names a song "New Legend." All right, let me make a hook with "New Legend," you know, and then just go with it. So uh, with fifty, the fifty nine sound. that's a very emotional song. I'm sure you might have been asked this a lot of times, but I want to go a different route with it. You as a drummer. Now, to me, the drum is just the most passionate um, instrument there is. Just like like I don't know, anger. You know, you get your anger out when there's a song that emotional about. I mean you could tell the backstory about it and what happened um are are you like extra into it because of the tragedy behind it like are you like emotionally just like i'm
1: gonna like I'm crying as I'm doing it, you know what I mean uh, like a thousand percent right know? yeah, it's one of the reasons Gaslight's been so awesome to be in for me, you know, so one of the things that like made me just fall in love with music in general is like. You know, when you were younger and you heard a piece of music and for whatever reason, like just got that like feeling mm-hmm. like goosebumps, like, oh, my God, like that just hit me in this like crazy way where it's like it literally is. It's inside your body. You're feeling it. It's like mm-hmm. it's literally um, emoting from your body and uh, writing songs, you can get the same feeling, you know, yeah. like sometimes like there's been some times where we would like finish a song and I'd be like, oh, yeah, like it's a good fucking song like yeah like i'm stoked i would listen to this song and and if you watch gaslight live videos especially from back in the day like i'm almost always like screaming along half the time because that whole feeling of it is is driving my whole experience especially live
4: so um, i so I actually saw you guys live um you guys opened up at PNC for the first time and had jimmy Eat world opening up for you yeah like that's what like it was like. I was like watching you guys. I was like, "How fucking cool is that to be like a local Jersey band opening up at the biggest venue in New fucking Jersey? Yeah. Having Jimmy Eat World, a band that we all listened to growing up, opening up for you like that, that was wild, like... man.
1: Yeah, and it was especially surreal. I I don't even know if I've ever talked about it in public, but I'm I'm fine to now. Nice um, exclusive. Yeah, this might be yeah. so, so. My my mom actually passed away two days before that show. Oh wow. shit. So, um. yeah, it, it, it was something, you know, we were on that tour, um, you know, it, it didn't come totally out of left field, but you know, the speed of it came out of left field. Mm. And one sure. of the only Gaslight shows I've ever missed in my life was two days before in Philly, where Adam Willard from Against Me, like popped in and played a few songs and they kind of pieced it together so we didn't have to cancel the show. that was literally the day she died. Mm. The day after was the services, you know, because we're Jewish, and then the day after that was that PNC show. Holy! Shit. Um, yeah. And you know, it was uh, it was complicated, you know, but um, because of what we already talked about, how big of a role my mom played in in music, Gaslight, all of it, and how connected she was, and the fact that we had gone to shows together at PNC. And as you said, like now I'm headlining PNC I'm from fucking New Jersey, I'm headlining mm-hmm. PNC. It's like the coolest thing. So there's never a doubt in my mind that I had to play the show.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you know, and and that like, so that show to me is like a giant just emotional blur of energy in, in so many different ways.
4: So, is that You
0: might make me cry on this show. <laughs> Jesus, Ben. <laughs> so, uh,
4: like, Let's <laughs> ride, baby. <laughs> Would that be like the tattoo on your neck moment? Like, we're like, we hit it big? Or was it like another point that like you're like, we hit it big?
0: Yeah, I mean. Benny's never that. getting a tattoo on his neck.
1: Let's no, that's
2: <laughs> out. Yeah, that's <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I
1: like it. I'm so glad it's clean.
5: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dan, you should get a tattoo on your neck just as tribute.
1: Danny. <laughs> yeah. 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 no. Tell him you're hip-hop. Tell him it's some more gangster like Benny yeah. Blanco
2: from the Bronx. is awkward though? Like obviously like we were saying, like We all knew who Jimmy Eat World is.
0: Is that awkward to be like, okay, we're like kind of newer than you guys, and now you guys are opening
2: up for us?
1: Well, I mean, (laughs) listen, like to be totally real, the reason that happened is because we can't sell out PNC by ourselves. Right. You know what I mean? We're not Uh, sure we're big in New Jersey, but we're not good for fucking ten thousand tickets. You know? know
0: Fuck
3: everyone else. Yeah. So fuck everyone everyone
1: else. (laughs) I mean, it gets (laughs) to a point, man, where it's like it's just all it's, it's fucking money. Yeah, you pay anywhere yeah. enough, They'll come open for you, you know. Um, so we knew like we, we needed that Philly in that Jersey show, we knew we were being super ambitious with the venue, and needed to put like a package together, you know, and, and thought that would be a perfect fit. But there's like no region in America, that we would headline for Jimmy World besides for Jersey and Philly, you know, like Makes so sense. It just yeah. up being that thing, you know, but it does feel weird especially because how big of a Jimmy e World fan like I am. Um, I mean, I saw them at like Coney Island High in New York in like 96, you know, in front of very <laughs> few people. Big fan for a long time. So I, I, I never wanted to feel like disrespectful, just as long as the band knows it's out of a place of uh, admiration, you know? Mm. Sure. Which it was. It very much was. I,
0: I want to ask with like bands that um, go on hiatus and stuff. Um, obviously, I'm a... Big fan of the Eagles, uh, big fan of the Beatles. And every one of these bands break up or go on hiatus at some point. Hell freezes over. Yeah, yeah. So is it, in your experience, is it just time, people have creative differences. It's just exhausting. Like you went on tours, you know, is it just like people just, um, I just want to relax for a year, you know, Or, or
1: is it just a culmination of everything? I mean, you're a sports guy, so that's a good framework to put it in. Thank you. You know what I think about it as is, like, even if you're the greatest team, how hard is it to win a championship? And how hard is it to do it, like, year after year? Like, something's Mm. bound to happen. You know, even Michael Jordan cracked in the middle of his Mm -hmm. and had to fucking take, like, some time off because it was just too much. Mm. And uh, so – I think it takes incredible wherewithal and personal self discipline and personal awareness, um, confidence, like any number of things that are probably unique for musicians to have. Because, you know, I mean, it's a strange part about all this is that, you know, it's not normally like the most uh, confident, well adjusted people who become professional musicians. Usually it's quite the opposite of what brought them there. And then you're expected to kind of, if you get big, you're not only, you're running a business, you're navigating a very complex structure of community. You know what I mean? Where like, there's not many contexts. You take five, six, seven grown people with different opinions, and different needs or desires and put them sandwich them literally into one van. Yeah. And now you're you're making every decision together, you know, literally, like, where are we stopping to eat is like a communal decision, you know what I mean? Mm. And yeah. not everybody's a good communicator. Not everybody's respects other people's opinions. Um, so there's any number of things that can happen that like shake up that variable. So like, say, the Warriors, if they were all healthy last season, sure, they could have won. Yeah. But they were all hurt, and it happens. Um, yeah. So maybe, sometimes, like, getting to the point is almost easier than sustaining it because it gets so complicated with more and more success. It mm. gets more convoluted, and it gets a little harder to wrap your head around. And that's where I started the, the sentiment with, like, it takes – incredible, like, uh, self awareness and and discipline, I think, for bands to get into a, a record cycle thing, you know, everybody sees it happen, right, the band puts out a record every two, three years, they tour for nine to 15 months afterwards, take x amount of time off, write another record and go again. And once all these other things start getting into play there, to keep your focus on the songs, the record, the art, your relationships with each other, and stuff like that just gets tougher and tougher. Um,
5: like Blink-182. Sure. Yeah.
1: So,
0: what I so, heard is, Benny, you're saying if there's a vegan in the van, there's going to be
1: arguments all the time. Unless they're cool. Okay. I was the only vegetarian <laughs> in Gaslight for the whole time. Yeah. All right? And I ate a lot of like Fucking lettuce sandwiches from Subway. I I'd make I'd make a salad out of the Arby's fixins bar. Oh. The boy. Burritos. you burritos. Know, like, like, you know, I've spent many days eating nothing but like bag nuts. You know, a little one of those mini cracker barrels, you know.
4: Jesus <laughs> Christ. Dang, god so you were talking about like how like you were like dirt broke, not making any money. So when you finally did like start to make money hit it big, what was like your first like on rich purchase like do you get like a car drums like what was your like splurge
1: my first splurge was paying rent again <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. so, like, literally, literally i met my wife like, my now wife i met when i was literally homeless like not living on the street i was crashing at people's houses and stuff but you know i was touring nine or ten months out of the year at that time you know, if not touring, just fully doing something with Gaslight. And I stopped paying rent. I couldn't afford it. We weren't making any money yet. So I couldn't pay for a place that I wasn't living at. So I put all my shit in storage. Um It was actually that uh I just passed it the other day, and I felt very nostalgic. It was the storage space behind the bowling alley on Route 1 in North Brunswick. Oh, uh, yeah.
5: Oh, yeah. I know where that is.
1: That spot? Yeah. 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 So... So when I first <laughs> met my wife, she, that was, uh, uh, what's that?
5: No, no, that was uh, Carolier Lanes, right?
1: Yeah, yeah it's something yeah. else now, but it was Carolear, yeah. yeah. So I met her, um, and I was, yeah, when I was home, I was just crashing around. Um, and then we got an apartment together in Jersey City, real cheap place. And then eventually we got a bigger place, and that's when I was like, all right, I'm going up in rent. That means I'm killing the storage space, finally. Like, we're not moving (laughs) to this place unless I can clear the storage space out. So that was, like, a big step for me was, like, I'm, like, now I just live somewhere. All my shit is in one place. This is my apartment, and I, like, live here. Like, that's dope. Um, And then the funny one after that was, like, all of us showed up to Alex Levine's wedding with a new car nice yeah that was like that was i think the the first time i told you about was like probably like side one money and that car thing was like the universal money it's like when we first signed and like and you know none of the guys in the band like came from money so so people had a little bit of that like yo (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a bit like breath, you know, had to reel it back. I, been, I'd like to say I got the most sensible car out of all. Four. Has there been any bands you guys have been compared
0: to? Because I know that happens with a lot of bands. I'm sure you've been asked this. Um, I I, 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 whenever we have a guest on, I go back down like a rabbit hole of like days of listening to your stuff. So I like went back and you know just like all right, let's re-listen to everything. Um, I get a little bowling for soup. I mean, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's an insult, but um, I, I don't know, a little, a little bit, but do you, I love get, any, that. you get any, okay, good, you're not offended <laughs> not by that Not I expected. That's okay, right. what I expected. yeah, I get a little of them, um, which might be crazy to people, that's just the first name that came in. Yeah, I say, that's a first right all right well, <laughs> the, hey you're a it's the drinks out show, baby yeah. first for everything so do you get any bands you get compared to and if you do are you just like sick of the obviously jersey springsteen enough all right we get see, it. this is
1: why i love i love you already you're Thank you. so hip-hop you don't even know about it yeah, yeah like, <laughs> it was the bruce thing like we couldn't get away from the bruce thing no but, i
0: figured yeah, it was yeah. bruce like was, but honestly i like that was an i'm issue. impartial to bruce whatever i don't care too much Fine. but um yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin
1: any relationships you yeah, have. But oh, no, I'm a Led Zeppelin guy, baby.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you it's, could not escape the Bruce thing. Then you just couldn't.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just part of the narrative. It's like, but like, I mean, literally, one of the biggest rock stars in the world decides he likes you and wants to come play on yeah, stage with you. Of course, sure. <laughs> like, you want to come do it again? You want to invite our singer to sing? Like so for the most part, literally 95% of the time that was happening, we were stoked about it, you know, Mm -hmm. but it did get to a point at some point where you are sick of hearing it. Mm. You're like, you know, we do write music, like maybe listen to it, like, like pay a little more attention, Mm -hmm. dig in a little bit because like, not for nothing. Like Bruce Springsteen, I've never heard him play a hardcore breakdown on his records. I play one I'm like, I never heard him have a punk beat on his records. I play a bunch of those, you know? So there there did get to a point where I was like, I thought it was lazy after a while, you know? That's a good fucking word. But the thing I realized too is that people who are doing interviews, people who are reviewing, they're selling stuff. They're selling magazines, they're selling newspapers, they're selling clicks. And if you have Bruce Springsteen in the headline, it gets more of all of them. So
2: I don't know like if it would have been as much on the nose if you guys weren't from Jersey.
1: Yeah, and that, right. If we were from Gainesville, it could have been Petty. Exactly. If we were Indiana, it would have been Mellencamp.
0: Yeah, to be like, right. Like, Jersey's very loyal. We know yeah. this. Half the people, like I will go to the depths of hell to defend Joe Budden's catalog, and I know Brian will too. I will, I will fight someone at a fight.
4: I'll like die party. on this hill again. I'll, I'll die twice, twice tonight. I'll die. Let me, let die. me, let I me ask
1: die you. Let me <laughs> ask you a question, then.
0: Go on, sir.
1: Give me like.
0: I've never been.
1: Asked I'll, I'll take thing, artists but... too. I'll take a group too. Okay. Give me your jersey, hip hop top five.
0: Can I throw Meryl Streep in there as an? No. you are
1: doing that. I'm putting Danny DeVito in. No. You can't. <laughs> I, I think.
0: I think. I think. See, I'm gonna get backlash if anyone even watches this. I think Joe Budden's the best rapper to ever come from Jersey. Okay. I'll throw him over Redman. I'll throw him over. I. I that's just me. Um, okay. But
2: well, how many are there? You have to. You have to pick five. So you said one.
0: one. You got to go with Redman. Obviously, I think Ransom's amazing. I think okay. Ransom's amazing. I mean, um, wow, that's a tough question.
4: Yeah, two more, buddy. It's I, like
0: a top 5 while. For, uh, you know, I'll throw the Queen that's been there. Nostalgia-wise, I yeah. will. And you're just uh, running out.
2: Yeah, you're just I, running out.
0: I, I wasn't expecting this, man.
5: I'm. You have gonna, one
0: more. Right, help me out. What, what,
5: what we
2: got? What about what about Big
0: L?
5: What what Big L oh, was from uh, Brooklyn. Not even oh, that. Big L was gonna, I
0: can't pick yeah. someone I'm not familiar with. Wait, wait. There's a
5: wide left.
2: Oh yeah, oh Lauren Hill.
0: Yeah, actually, yeah, the miseducation yeah. of Lauren Hill was one of the one of my favorite one of the best most underrated records. So yeah. Can I nominate
1: one of my favorite hip hop records from Jersey? Go on, sir. You ever listen to the Arsonist?
0: The Arsonist? no. <gasps>
1: nope. Get a <laughs> record. Night. Wrong side of the tracks. They were like the epitome oh, wow. of graffiti hip hop. They came out of New Jersey. I literally watched two kids fight in my backyard over one of them saying this record was bad, one of them saying it was good, and him going, yo, you don't write fucking graph. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I also
0: <laughs> forgot Naughty by Nature and Tretch. I apologize yeah, yeah. for
2: that. And and in, in the Outlaws with Tupac, they're on the hit em up One of his guys is from Jersey Said I'm from NEW
5: Juris from or Jersey. London,
0: yeah. I, I, dude, that was such a – I wasn't expecting that, so I probably missed out on, like, nine people I'm forgetting. Dude.
5: Sure. Tupac well, lived in Newark for a good amount of time. Yes, yeah, he did. Sure did. So, so then, I, I, I got I,
3: I, it. We had we had it.
1: Please listen to the artifacts and okay. get back to I, me on that. That's like that's that's really important to me. That I between a rock and a hard place. That's I have the record. to like,
0: listen to now. You can't say it's really important to me, and then I just say no. I'm not listening. And now you
1: put pressure on. That. All right. Well, put on "Wrong Side of the Tracks," <laughs> and this is over. And you will be impressed. It's really okay. good.
0: Yeah. All right.
4: So, Benny, like, I was listening to your like podcast, uh, going off track about how you talk about how like Lars Ulrich like announced you guys on the stage and stuff. Like, what is like one of the cooler like interactions that you've had like with a celebrity, or who do you wish that you kind of like were able to like do a collab with?
1: Oh, well, I mean, I've had a lot of those moments where I've like met someone where I'm just like, (laughs) you know, Um, again, I was such a big rock and roll fan and stuff. Like, even just being in like the same room as a guy from Metallica is just a fucking trip to me, you know? Like mm-hmm. I, no matter how big Gaslight ever got and whatever world I was in, like, I never felt like I was, I always felt, I still, I always feel like a fan, you know? That's <laughs> like, awesome. I'll always feel like a fan with people like that. Like I met Zach De La Roca in Australia and I was just like, hey man, you know, and he's just like really sweet. I barely ever know what to say when I meet him. Um, as far as a collab goes, I mean, there's a lot of people I'd love to play with, shit. But at this point, I mean, you know, I would love to do, I've been playing like punk rock and rock so much. And, and a lot of times when I get behind kits these days, I'm playing like hip hop or I'm playing funk, oh, or I'm playing like- would like,
0: like to do a song with a couple rappers. I think I would actually.
1: I think I would, it would be fun. Oh, wait, where is it? Oh, you're going to love this. Hang on. It
0: would be horrible if it was just like a
1: photo. No. Of a random I just idea. found this yesterday. I don't know how well you're going to see it. This is a picture of me. I saw you post that. With Redman and Keith Murray. That's yep. crazy. <laughs> From 1998. Yeah. After I just
0: bashed Redman, now I feel like shit. Yeah. I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm the kid poking his head out back there. That's at the MTV Beach House when it was Holy in Seaside shit. in um, awesome. you 98.
4: Know, that was awesome.
1: So well, maybe I could send was, this like picture Red Red to Man. Red and I, I could play like drums for I him.
4: Yeah,
0: I didn't mean to play. <laughs>
1: and was, and was he awesome him. in person? He was cool as fuck. He's still <laughs> on my like top five just guys, I just want to sit down, fucking roast one with. Like, yeah, Redman is yeah. way up there. Yeah.
0: I, I would think we'd make the list after this interview. That's I
1: can cool. recite how high
2: to you, like, beginning yeah? that. Yeah. 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 So, so you mentioned, like, you meeting these people, and no matter how big you get, you're still in awe when you see them. Is it, how strange is it when you see somebody that might not recognize you at first, and then they realize who you are, and they're in awe? Well, right? Eric, you, you, you mentioned. You're like a bro like us.
0: You the guy in Chicago. Tell him, uh, tell him about
2: your friend in Chicago who had his shirt on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just like texting people, hey, do you know? Do you have any questions uh, for this guy? Do you know this band? And my friend, uh, Robin in California, said, "Oh my God, my boyfriend who lived in Chicago was a huge fan of them, and she showed me a picture of your." Sh- like one of your band's shirts. Yeah. Oh, I'm just all excited about it. That's like it's just crazy to like I don't know, because I'm not famous, believe it or not. But like I couldn't imagine just like me like at a McDonald's drive through and someone's like, can I think like, is it just surreal? Cause you, like seem so like down to earth like us. Like I'd feel so strange about it's it. It's super fucking weird. <laughs> uh, and and it always
1: um you know I guess at first it made me uncomfortable, even to the point I, I remember when Sturst started, you know, doing something and uh, and we were first getting asked to do like autographs. And I was at first I was like, I, I wasn't going to do them. I was like, nah, like, I'm not doing that shit. Like, fuck that, like yeah. autographs you crazy. Sure. And then I called I, I was talking to my friend Carl Severson, who runs uh, Ferret Records, now Good Fight Records in Jersey. Um, and I and I hit him up about it. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. He's like, bro, bad idea. He's like, there is no world in which you won't come off like a dick. He's like, he's like, you know, you could sit there for 15 minutes and tell people every human reason you don't want to do this. And at yeah. the end of 15 minutes, they're going to go, so c- can I get it? Yeah, you know, yeah, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you know, and then in the end, it's like who gives a shit about giving it you know because it's like what the fuck does it matter even to the point that like uh we you know we got to the point that like autograph hunters would come to our shows especially in europe where they would come it would obviously be someone who's not into your band you know it's like a 55 year old armenian guy in a leather jacket (laughs) who just happens to have like This many glossy photos of your band in a folder, like it's like, come on, bro. You know. Um, At first, I kind of got like upset about stuff like that. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, like autograph hunter. And then after some after some consideration, I'm like, I really consider. I'm like, okay, like, what's someone's life like who's doing this full time? It probably sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're like sitting outside of shows printing glossies, trying to sell them like wherever the fuck you can sell them, especially mine. I'm like, yeah. this is some low rent, not fun kind of shit you're doing. Just
0: trying to eat, man.
1: Exactly, man. So so I started making a deal with them. I would yeah. they would come out, I'd be like, yo, I'll do three, I'll get the whole band to do three, and then you gotta split, you know? Yeah. Like, so I would just like and then they're still pushy. They're like, no, no, but I have these and these. I'm like, no. I'll give you 3. I don't have to give you any. I'll give you 3. Yeah. And then, you know, but that being said, I you know, after a while, I think I learned to um to be happy with the praise because I know what the alternative is, you know? If no one's giving you compliments, if no one's recognizing you, it means you're probably not playing music full time and you're not doing the thing you love. Benny, the
0: alternative is doing a podcast interviewing people in a basement like me. Well, yeah. and if
1: it's a cautionary tale, you can also be in a really successful band for a long time and still do podcasts to try to get by. <laughs> so like, this is, this is no joke, man. You gotta jump in your windows. It's a cutthroat
0: business,
3: shirt. man. Oh,
1: shirt. there it is. Yeah. I remember that. Oh, that was the fan club shirt too, I think. Yeah, it's a big
4: Cool. Yeah, that's hey, Betty, awesome. you
0: want to sign it? We can have it sign Yeah, it. yeah.
4: Hey, it. Do right. not ask Betty for autographs after show. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Damn it. <laughs> It'd be great if but, you didn't want to sign it just because you didn't know how to write in cursive and right. you, just, you just didn't want to tell people.
1: But, I mean it does on a human level it's like if a bunch of people come up to me and they're chill and they want to talk like fucking talk right. all night like it's right. fun yeah. but it does get awkward you know like sometimes it's just weird you know yeah. where like you walk outside after a show and there's like 10 people and I'm like hi like, does anyone want anything? Or should I go eat my food and go to sleep? Like I want to like, what are we doing here? Sometimes it's awkward. Um, But in reality, like, uh, I I try to use sports in those instances. So like, if I'm in Kansas City, and some guys just like too fucking drunk, (laughs) getting too close, getting too weird, starting to ask like, weird questions, like, yo, what's up with Alex Gordon this year? He's looking, oh, yeah. you know, like I'll just always bring it to sports. And then all of a sudden the dude's talking about, you know, like Marquette basketball. And I'm like, good, all right, we're off that shit. Yeah, I'd probably bring
0: up like the 80s. I'd be like, so how's George Brett doing? Yeah. And then you just gotta like, ask what?
1: questions. You just gotta ask questions. So be like, so what do you do? And then he just. <laughs> And then you just gotta reverse it, but you,
0: you never pawn it <laughs> off on one of your other band members. I do that to my friends.
1: No, I'm the pawnee.
0: Oh man, you're I'm the, the pawn-ee one. Oh Benny, will help you out with that, and they walk away. God bless oh, you. Oh, oh. Yeah, God that's bless my you. job. <laughs> that's one of my jobs, at Gaslight for sure. God bless you, <laughs> uh, Benny. Before uh, I, this is honestly, um, this is awesome. I, I, if you guys I was have inspired any other- by
1: all the Yankee shit behind yeah. you, man. Yeah,
0: man. Hey, if. <laughs> Uh, We could get into that. Just getting into the Yankees, like, what do you think they need going forward? Obviously, they keep getting into these long playoff runs and just falling short. What do you think they need going forward? Exactly, and this is why this show is great. We're not only talking music. We're getting oh. Benny's takes on sports. He's I gonna
1: walk
4: away as a Boston oh.
1: awesome fan, we'll pee at this one. Oh,
4: he's we're mad because Mookie
1: Betts is on the TV yeah, right now. Fucking loser. Do <laughs> you enjoy you. your financial yeah. flexibility while you're watching Mookie Betts in the World Series? He <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> nice. How's Alex Verdugo doing right like, I hope he comes <laughs> back crying. Oh, I, I honestly – I'm a pretty righteous sports fan where, like, I love my teams, you know. I'm, like, Nets, Giants, Yankees, like, hardcore, like, all those teams. But I'm not, like, a hater right. for other you know, teams. I yeah. Like, I like a great player. I like a great team. I like great sports. And I don't really, like, hate, except for two teams, the Boston Red Sox and the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: I those two it. teams <laughs> are just –
1: Blanket, fuck you. I'll do anything to make you feel bad forever. So, first, I have been having some satisfaction watching Mookie Betts just rip this playoffs up. Like, watching that guy play right field for another team that's about to win the World Series. Kind of makes me giggle. Yeah. Benny, this um, is
0: a true story. I went to an Eagle game with a Brandon Carr. I'm a Cowboy fan, right? Okay. So my brother's a diehard Eagle fan. Weird. Okay. So I went. this is typical Philly fans and I'm only using this language because this is what was said to me. Okay. I'm wearing a branding car jersey. And
1: yeah, the not, won- a, not a great rivalry there. Yeah.
0: Fine. I I you know what? I keep Brilliant. my mouth shut. Brilliant. I know how it goes. Gilbert Brown's still a piece of shit, and I'll stand by that for not signing my fucking autograph. Anyway, so I go. Yeah, oh, I'll yeah. tell you that story off the air. <laughs> asshole! It's been five years. I still hate
1: him. Bro. Mine is Ruben Sierra. <gasps> He's on my shit list. <laughs> for, like, oh my god! Wait, hold on. Me,
0: I can't believe that my friend Sean has a vendetta against Ruben Sierra too. for the too. past twenty-five
1: years. He <laughs> denied me in like nineteen eighty-nine. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! totally <laughs> oh he denied
0: Sean at a Somerset Patriot game. The Somerset oh Patriot.
1: God. I
2: can't the wait Pats to Pat's at the real Pat's game.
0: I can't. I can't wait
2: <laughs> to <laughs> see this. So at Patriots games, he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, mine up. was at Yankee Stadium.
0: I'm wearing a Brandon Carr jersey, and the yeah. one goes, "David Carr sucks." Oh. I go, it's Brandon Carr. He goes, That's keep so telling yourself. And once again, only using this line. He goes, keep telling yourself that, faggot. I go, but it's, but it is Brandon Carr. How do I respond to that? <laughs>
5: <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> this, this <laughs> you just keep walking. You just yeah, keep Don't engage.
0: I go to my brother. Raymond, how do you deal with these fucking fans? <laughs> like,
5: like what, what do you do? It's the
1: worst. My brother, my brother got spit on when he was like 15 at at the old Veteran Stadium. Um, We went, you know, when I was growing up, we had family friends with Giants season tickets and we would buy two games a year every year in the same seats. And one year we decided to go to Veteran Stadium to see the away game and Giants won. Most of the interior shit talking was fairly friendly. If my brother was 15, that meant I was like 11. And we're walking out, and there's just this group of Eagles fans that are yapping and yapping and yapping. My brother's my brother; like he's he's not gonna take. He turns around, starts fucking giving it right back and getting heavy. My dad's got him by the cuff. And these guys <laughs> start spitting on a 15 year old kid. My dad, my dad, so he's just dragging my brother. I'm just like, what's happening? Scared as shit. Yeah. So, classy
5: <laughs> fans, those Eagles. Eagles. Apparently. Yeah.
1: <laughs> To answer your question long down the road here of what the Yankees need, um, I think the Yankees – they need a – they obviously need another starter they can count on, especially in the playoffs. Um, And then I think the Yankees' biggest problem right now is offensive versatility. I really think they need a couple other bats from the other side, and I think they need a couple other players who you really – you can't shift against. You know, you need another LeMayu. You need another guy you can put towards the back end of the lineup that can spray the ball all around the field. They've become a little predictable, and I think that's maybe their biggest issue right now. Are you losing confidence in Chapman? In a big spot, maybe. Yeah, sure. Like, I think Chapman's one of those weird situations, you know, like – He's like an A-Rod. Yeah, I where he him the I don't want to roof for him, the home run against the Rays. They have to, you know. Like that a bat where he gives the home run against the Rays. It's like
4: once he got to like eight, nine, ten, to, it, I knew, you knew something. It. I was, you knew you knew, it. you knew it was coming. You know, you what, that's it. what
0: he gets. That's what he gets for trying to kill somebody. He fucking deserved exactly. it.
4: Exactly. I
1: know he's a hard guy to root for. He yeah, hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Since he shot a gun at his pregnant wife, let's not forget about that.
1: Not cool. <laughs> not something cool. <laughs> no. These guys <laughs> are not your role models. I'm gonna, gonna wait until
0: Brian gets back. But at the end of the shows, uh, first of all, plug yourself. How 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 we can find you?
1: Oh, cool. Well. I mean, I guess I'll just plug the stuff I'm doing. I'm not going to, I feel weird talking about social medias, but still doing Mercy Union. Just went the other day, record a couple songs with Rocky. We're going to be doing some new stuff. And then, uh, yeah, weekly releasing Going Off Track podcast. Got a different awesome musical guest every week. And then weekly now doing the Tune Up podcast, which is like a half sports pop culture podcast. So
0: Well, if you ever need any guests, any five of us will come on. I'm I'm trying. You can't knock the eight. I need a
1: Penguins expert. (laughs) Hey, <laughs> things, nobody like, needs that.
5: Nobody needs that. Hey, right, bet yeah.
0: the creme de la creme, as we like to call it, the final chapter. We've called it that. <laughs> called it that
5: this is literally the first
1: time we've <laughs> ever said that in 96 episodes.
0: Hey, Betty, when I'm four white claws deep, anything can
2: happen. Oh, no. <laughs> He's gonna lose no. no. his shirt. Claws, <laughs> no walls, baby.
0: Right, it's
2: so, not, like right. white claws. <laughs>
0: so oh man so we like to do a gun to your head segment and it's a uh, would you rather type questions okay uh brian, we ask two each okay. and you have to pick a winner at the end we do tally the scores and it's a stupid male thing where we keep track and like to think that we won okay so there you go exactly <laughs> yep like like amy and congo with the fucking <laughs> <laughs> so all right brian I'm going to ask you to go first since you were beaten by a guest on the last episode.
5: Okay, no problem. Go on. I'll go first. All right. So my first one is, would you rather get thrown out of old Queens or drink beers with an old queen?
1: (laughs) That's super easy. Drink beers with an old queen. A thousand percent. Yeah. That's a stupid point. You got me into, I went to old Queens about twice. I almost <laughs> threw myself out of that foot.
5: <laughs>
1: <thing. laughs> <laughs> I was trying to Oof. keep
5: Jersey-based.
1: Rough job I, bro,
5: being a bouncer at Old Queens. I so, threw uh,
0: myself out.
5: <laughs> <laughs> would you rather only be able to eat at the grease trucks every day or drive in a truck filled with grease?
1: <laughs> like as my everyday car?
5: Uh, yeah. <sighs> you
1: had some I get, You know what? I would go grease trucks because... You don't have to get a fat sandwich there. You know, you can just That's get crazy. a nice you get an egg and cheese. You know what salad. I mean? Yeah, it'd be That's like, something. hey, let me get <laughs> let me get just some <laughs> chicken without the bread. You know, you can still make <laughs> meals with those guys. You know, you so, meal prepping through that.
3: Yeah. Are these was, trucks
1: was, are they still there? They, the parking lot not there. They moved, yeah. So they're they scattered, moved, like, right? all around yeah. New Brunswick now. They took now. away
0: the parking lot. <laughs>
1: they did. I love that place. All right, Benny,
0: I'll go next. You ready?
1: All right. Did you, a...
0: did you play Nintendo growing up? Do you remember Mike Tyson's Punch-Out?
1: Hell yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. Would you rather fight Piston Honda or drive in a Honda that was Piston?
1: <laughs> 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 uh-huh. <laughs> I guess I would drive in a Honda that was pissed in. That guy would wreck me, man. Yeah. Uh, you know? I I don't know. I've lived in a lot of punk houses. I can tolerate a pretty heavy scent of piss.
0: By the way, 25 years later, fuck pissed in Honda. He was an oh, asshole.
2: He was tough. You had to
0: face him twice. It tough wasn't one. fair.
2: Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, right. So yeah. <laughs> 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 All
0: right, so to, your life depends on it. Would you rather fight Han Solo or go... Go a versus with a drum solo versus Travis Barker.
1: I, I'll take my chances with Barker.
0: Ooh, all right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> like, it's like you just got to play the odds here, you know? Like, you're I not play a drums. Hey, I play drums. Yeah. You know, I can do some cool stuff on the drums. Maybe I have a good day, and Travis has a bad one. Right. Han, I have no background in fighting like that. <laughs> so it's like, I'll take... I'm an odds man. I'll take my odds of Barker on that.
0: All right. We'll go with uh, Eric because I want him to rush. And I know he's writing.
2: Okay. Uh, would you rather never play with Gaslight Anthem again or your car always has the gaslight on? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the car. I'll take okay. the car. Yeah. Yeah. Would you – because I just had this for dinner and you're from Jersey. Uh, would you rather never eat Calamari again or do Molly and Cali? <laughs> Um, I'll do Molly and
1: Callie I'll join. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's kind of like the perfect place to do something. Yeah, with
2: Calamari.
1: Yeah, give me Southern <laughs> California weather, a beach. Right. And, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. Benny, before the show, before you got in, Dan said, I think I'm going to win this one.
4: You did. Okay, d- okay no. yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pretty confident. Yeah. I, I've yeah. only won once out of 96 okay. episodes okay. or whatever it is. You'll so, finish so. You seem,
1: Dan, you seem like the sensible guy around here. <laughs> <laughs> That's my instinct. Am I right?
4: That's, that's, well, that's pretty, pretty,
2: pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty spot on. That's some Molly kicking in, but.
4: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, would you rather never be able to keep a beat or only eat beets? Oh, eat beets. Oh.
1: That's your go-to. That was the- no, no, no. no I'm I'm gonna, it it is. Really you know what? That's really. a tricky question because beets. is red level, stuff the entire time? Yeah, because you're gonna be shitting red the rest of your life, which is always <laughs> terrifying. There's been a couple times I've forgotten I eat beets, and I've, like, looked down and been like, oh, no. I blood is a
4: game changer. Yeah. No, you know?
0: that's an anal fissure. I've had a couple of them. We'll get into that in another episode. Wait, Wait, go on, Dan. Okay.
4: <laughs> only eat your drumsticks, the wooden ones, or only play with chicken drumsticks. Oh. Um,
1: well, I would die if I only ate wood. So, <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. i uh, I'll just search for, like, the biggest chickens in the world who might have a sizable femur or something. Oh, wait, do they have femurs? They don't have thighs. I don't know. I don't even need yeah. <laughs> better be dry wings because you know, you'll be a mess
3: They would be good for my
1: speed, you know? They're a little
4: lighter. Yeah.
0: I have to say, Dan, those weren't horrible, but you definitely overhyped them.
4: Uh, yeah. that that's really. good for me. Like, that's like I, mean, I felt like I put a lot of work into that one.
2: Mikey, <laughs> <That's, that's laughs> you got one. Go on. Would you rather kill a man with your bare hands or kill a bear with your man hands? Oh, I'd rather kill a man with my bare hands. All
0: right, fair enough. Wow, really? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd love if you turn Samara and this and choke Mikey. All right, Benny, you got got to pick a winner. What was your favorite question?
2: Or best group of questions, guys. Like, uh, what was the best?
1: Oh, man. I kind of forget what all of you asked already. Ah. Uh, It's a tough (laughs) game. I was, Wait, the, piston. Me, yeah, I was the Piston Yeah, give me each I'm of Honda your best ones like. again real quick.
2: I was the Piston Honda one. I was the Gaslight or Gaslight.
5: Right? I'm the Beats or Beats.
2: I was, the, their hands.
5: I was the Grease Trucks one. I was also uh, a I'm going. I
2: like the Trucks
5: one. I'm going yes. Trucks, man. Damn. Trucks oh, fun.
1: That's, that's fun. really good
4: Because
5: I had
1: that's 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 to think about that. that. It gave me some options. Some of these were just like, yeah, I'm going to do that, because I would die.
0: Right now. You are driving in a greasy truck, right? <laughs> and you are killing people with your bare hands <laughs> while playing, well, while, while playing with chicken thighs on your drumstick and your greased truck has the gaslight on all the time.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. And you're doing and Molly and Callie. The car <laughs> the
0: truck you're driving in is a Honda that was pissed in. So that's your Mad lives
1: right there. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like my dream on Tuesday night. It yeah, is. <laughs> <Yes. yeah. laughs> yeah. Betty,
0: I, kn- I know we were talking back and forth, and you even asked, like, um, uh, what kind of style do you guys do? Uh, I- I'm really hoping you had a good time because uh, this, yeah, this was phenomenal. Fun. This yeah. was phenomenal, man. Super um, fun. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, honestly, thank you. For nice way to on. have a
1: Friday. Drink a scotch. Yeah. Right. Get some laughs. Dude, I appreciate bro. it. That was Drink fun.
0: White Claws. I mean.
1: <laughs> rough. There you yeah. go. That was rough. That was rough.
0: <laughs> Benny, this is awesome. Uh, if, I really hope you come on again if you want to. Um, yeah,
3: sure. This is awesome. fun.